Good afternoon, friends. Tis another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. We're going to spend a couple hours on the Patrick Lally Show engaged in what you've expect from this program. Energetic and entertaining conversation on news, politics, entertainment, sports, literature, all the good stuff of life. Uber producer Dan Peters is out today prepping for the big Sky Force game versus Memphis that you can listen to live on Information 1000 KSOO this evening with the voice of the Sky Force, Mr. Dan Peters. I do a really bad Dan Peters impression, as it turns out. No, I can't match those dulcet tones. Dan Peters, radio professional. Now, I can't do it. I don't got it. I just don't got it. Thanks for spending some time with me today on your radio, driving around town or huddled around your transistor, streamed live on KSO.com or on the KSOO mobile app. Remember, that's that's our new branded app, as we like to say in the business, branded KSOO. You just go to your, wherever, wherever you get your apps and you search KSOO and bam, there it is, bam, just KSOO. You got your news, you got your weather and updates and everything, and just one touch, bam, you listen live to this show and anything on Information 1000 KSOO. Remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live right now at the KSOO page or on our Twitter account at P. Lally Show. You can throw me chats and such, and I do my best to check on the Twitters and the Facebooks and all that while Dan is out. Uh, you know, in in between the lively and energetic conversations that we'll be having throughout the day, uh, you know what else I want to tell you, people. If you've got the uh, if you've got the Alexa, you can you can use it. Just say, listen to KSOO. Maybe I just turned on Alexa. Listen to KSOO. I hope I've turned all your Alexas on across the Greater Sioux Empire. Oh, boy, I are you like me? Are you like me, people? Have you been watching the Olympics? So I was talking about this yesterday, and, you know, I get sucked in every time. I'm like, I'm not, it's not like I, you know, am uh, making notes leading into the Olympics, reading up, you know, handicapping uh, the the cross-country skiing or the, you know, the ski jumping and that kind of thing. You know, I am a casual viewer to be sure. But I get roped in every single time. Uh, and as I said yesterday, too much figure skating. I can't, I can only, t- I, I like it, I respect it. And we've got this conversation going on everywhere about what's a sport and what's not. And, you know, there is a very hard class of people out there. They're very definitive in their opinion that anything that needs to be judged <laughs> is not a sport. And, you know, figure skating would be in there. Uh, You know, slalom, not so much because that's timed. But so last night I'm watching and mercifully, mercifully, it was low. It was limited on the figure skating. A lot of snowboarding last night. Uh, Watched uh, uh, the women's half pipe. That was cool. We won a gold medal in that. Pretty awesome. Lots of falling down. One young lady, I think she was from Australia, full face plant right in. Oh, it's blood. It's terrible. It's terrible. Uh, and then the dudes with their prelims uh, last night, Sean White and all that. Uh, the guys go really high. And I don't understand 
why a woman wouldn't fly as high as a man in the half pipe. It's the same half pipe. They're the same boards, right? Is it just weight? I don't, I don't think that's the factor, is it? I don't know. I mean, nothing against the women. They were awesome. But they just don't, you know, the first time the dude comes out and hits the half pipe, flies 30 feet up in the air, and you're like, whoa, that guy is up there. But, uh, yeah, so that was cool. The snowboarding was awesome and a lot of, a lot of conversation about, you know, the lingo, which I don't get the double chicken salad thing, but that's fine. I don't need to know. I'm just watching. I'm not really listening to him anyway. Uh, the downhill skiing was really cool. We got this American dude in there who's six, seven and funny. That guy is awesome. I will watch downhill. It was the combo, the downhill and the, uh, uh, slalom. They just did the downhill part, but it's too windy. Too windy to do the full downhill course. They had to do the super G course. I don't know the difference. All right. They even like tried to explain it. Oh, this is just the super G course. They're not going to get as much air on this one, you see, because it's, let me remind you, it's the super G. Okay. We're just, we're on the super G course today. And a couple of awesome crashes in that too. One where the guy hit the poles pretty hard. That was, that was not good. Not good. But our big six, seven, uh, American guy, apparently he's a a champion slalomer, so that's where it's going to come out. But the wind, right? They're all complaining about the wind, and apparently the wind shut down the downhill skiing, which is a real bummer because I like the downhill skiing. That's fun, and I get it because it's timed, right? So I'm watching this, and it occurs to me that Korea is basically South Dakota. A little hillier, sure. A little, you know, enough to have downhill skiing. But it's basically South Dakota. It's very cold. The wind comes up in the afternoon, and your neighbor to the north is armed and dangerous. Okay, that's a little joke about my North Dakota friends with their missiles and such. Um, and I, you know, I don't know that uh, North Korean dictator Kim Jong Un has ever crammed someone to a wood chipper, but I wouldn't be surprised. Kind of a Minnesota thing there. Yeah, but I don't have Dan. I got no rim shot. Got no rim shot for the uh, Olympic joke. My apologies. Um, we've got a great show for you today. Our guests include, uh, this is, this is going to be fun for you people. Trust me. Uh, Randall Beck and Jack Marsh, two of my former bosses, both former editors of Argus Leader, the Argus Leader, back when it was the Argus Leader and not Argus Leader Media. Uh, covered a lot of my journalism career working with these two fellas. Well, they're both retired now, uh, and they will be in studio to tell us about a new journalism venture that they've launched, had a big press conference this afternoon called South Dakota News Watch. We're going to find out what that's all about and how they're trying to change the world. And, you know, tables are turned here. I'm in charge. This is my show, baby. So they're coming into my lair. Uh, And you'll remember both those guys probably from their various uh, pursuits in the community. They're very high-profile dudes. And that'll be a fun conversation in the second hour. Uh, Boon Man, hopefully, will be with us for Weird Friends. Uh, We're going to review what's happening in your South Dakota legislature in the uh, back half of that first hour. Then after the news and weather at 4, Corey Heidelberger of Dakota Free Press is my guest. You know, we had some difficulty hooking up with Corey yesterday, but he's been able to extract himself from riveting discussion there in the south dakota legislature he's hanging out in pier this week he'll be in for blogger showcase at four o'clock and i'll have the pnl statement just after the next break today's topic 
Oh, it's the big budget. We're going to talk about the big budget. That'll be fun for everybody. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 317 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Everybody wants to live how they want to live and everybody wants to love how they want to love and everybody wants to be closer to free. Oh yeah, feeling it today, closer to free people. Yeah, we're going to get a little closer to free here. On the PL statement, Information 1000 KSOO. Looking through the news today, you know, there's a lot going on in the legislature. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I wanted to spend a little bit of time chatting uh, briefly about some of the things that are going on in our good capital of Washington with the president. Yes, the president. A couple things. Uh, from the It's Not the Lie, It's the Cover-Up book of what not to do, the FBI Director Christopher Wray said uh, today, he was up there on Capitol Hill, that the FBI provided the White House with information twice last year about the top Trump aide who resigned as staff, staff secretary last week after domestic violence. Domestic violence allegations from two ex-wives became public. So there's a lot going on with this. You heard it at the top of the news. You know, I Ray said uh, the Bureau closed its background investigation of Rob Porter in January, weeks before the allegations were published. That timeline called into question White House assertions that Porter's background investigation was ongoing when he resigned. Hmm. And that the White House first learned of the detailed allegations against him last Tuesday. Porter had been serving with an interim security clearance while his background check was pending. The White House said a common occurrence for officials in a government facing a backlog of hundreds of thousands of such reviews. So they knew. They knew. And they just decided to ignore it or thought it would go away or didn't think it was important. It's really hard to tell. Really hard to tell. The uh, uh, so as questions swirled about how Porter kept his access to this highly sensitive information in President Donald Trump, despite accusations of domestic violence, the administration's intelligence chief told the Associated Press that the government system of security clearances for top officials is broken and must be completely overhauled. You know, that's good news, isn't it? We're currently got uh, a special counsel investigating the degree to which the Russians uh, were able to affect our election and whether or not there was any communication between the Russian government and the Trump campaign. And even after Trump takes office, nobody basically has a full security clearance. I, I don't know. That instills me with a lot of confidence. Things seem to be going just fine. It's fine. Everything could be fine. Which brings me to the budget. So we knew a lot of this. So, you know, the Trump budget dropped yesterday 
as I was preparing for yesterday's show and I didn't really have much a chance to uh, get caught up on it. I, you know, there wasn't a lot of changes from the initial skinny budget, but there's some extra meat on the bone, as we like to say. So here's what we do know. The president signed a budget agreement, you know, a couple weeks ago that were the broad outlines after an agreement between in, in Congress, right? So he sends up a big fat budget, $4.4 trillion budget proposal with steep cuts to domestic programs, large increases in military spending, and a ballooning federal deficit that illustrates how far Republicans have strayed from their longtime embrace of balanced budgets. That's from the New York Times lead on the story. As the Times says, the blueprint has little to no chance of being enacted as written and amounts to a vision statement by Mr. Trump, who as a businessman once called himself the king of debt and has overseen a federal spending spree that will earn him that title in an entirely different arena. So some of the numbers are, you know, staggering. It gets to be hard to, to keep it all in perspective. Um, so, but the budget they sent up, and I, I think it's important because this does represent what the thinking, if not the actual hard numbers of the administration is. And, you know, I think at some measure we knew this was coming. I, I said it on this program. You knew this part was coming after the tax cut, right? The White House budget request would add $984 billion to the federal deficit next year. Despite proposed cuts to programs like Medicare and food stamps and despite leaner budgets across federal agencies, including the Environmental Protection Agency. Uh, Let's see. He calls the deficit harbingers of desolate future. But the White House plan would add $7 trillion dollars to the deficit over the next 10 years. So this is complete acquiescing to the notion that you're going to try and cut the deficit. And the, the thing is, is that these things are not that hard to figure out. You know that the basic math is going to produce the deficit. If you cut taxes like you cut taxes, it's going to produce the deficit. And we've been talking about this and talking about this. This plan is incumbent on a 3.1% annual growth in the economy. And even then, it's not going to, it's the the lines are never going to intersect. Right? It's just not going to happen. So in December, the Federal Reserve projected an annualized growth of 2.2%. The survey of professional forecasters estimated the annualized growth to be about 2.4%. This is over the next three years. Well, nobody thinks that 3.1% is actually going to happen if they are an expert of any sort. But here's a couple other things that are in there, right? Slashing of transportation programs by $178 billion over a decade. Oh, federal crop insurance, just Slam Obama. Representative Kevin Kramer, a Republican of North Dakota, denounced the drastic cuts to the federal crop insurance program, calling them ill-advised. Representative Ed Royce, Republican of California and chairman of the Foreign Affairs Committee, said lawmakers in both parties would once again reject the president's deep cuts to the State Department foreign aid. 
There's, uh, so let's see here. Plan contains at least $1.8 trillion in cuts to federal entitlement programs, such as Medicaid, Medicare, and food stamps. Uh, the other part I like is that instead of the, the, the uh, debit card situation that they're running now, you just send them a box of food, which I'm going to tell you right now, you know who's not going to like that? The Grocers Association. They are going to hate that. I can tell you from experience, when you sue the federal government to get uh, food stamp data, you know who shows up? The grocers. So the food stamp lawsuit that I was involved with and with, uh, that's ongoing in about its sixth year, financed by now by the losers in that because the Argus leader won a couple of times, still don't have the data, still don't have the data. But the grocers come at you hard. They're not going to like that. Not going to like cutting food stamps. Uh, yeah, they're going to cut food stamps or SNAP, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, by more than 30% over a decade. Work requirements for able-bodied recipients. Uh, they would replace the portion of the coupons that allow them to purchase food at a grocery store with a pre-made box of 100% American-grown foods provided directly to households. I don't know what to tell you people about this. It's it's a it's just fantasy. It's a fantasy land. It's there's nothing realistic about any of it. Nothing. What do you think is going to happen when you cut Medicaid in South Dakota? Your nursing homes are going to go out of business because all those rural nursing homes depend on Medicaid to pay for the old person to stay in the nursing home. Their care is paid by Medicare. Their rent essentially is paid by Medicaid. And it's every single nursing home in South Dakota, particularly in the rural areas, is dependent upon those things. So you cut Medicaid, you're going to close nursing homes. I hope you're ready for that. I don't know. We're going to pay more for Homeland Security. $46 billion dollars. A, a $3.4 billion increase for Homeland Security. And, you know, Homeland Security is important. But it's all part of the efforts to crack down on illegal immigration and build the wall. The request calls for $18 billion for border security, including $1.6 billion to build about 65 miles of wall in Texas. More border agents, more immigration. It's, it's a fantasy. You know, I'm, this is not a policy difference here. The conservatives are up in arms. It's, it's fantasy. Our, our federal government has become a myth. The, the deficit was coming down during the Obama administration. It was coming down because they had to spend a ton coming out of the box because of the recession. And a lot of people disagreed with that, but that's what they did. But it was coming down. It had gone up at the end of the Bush administration because of the wars. A lot of that's off budget. Anyway, it's a fantasy. Our budget is a fantasy. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can disagree with me. Send me an email, Patrick at KSO.com. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. Coming up after the break, we're going to have somebody for Weird Friends. We'll see who it is. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO.
336 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. You know, you can't say this show isn't nimble. Uh, the Boon Man ran into an unfortunate circumstance, and so we just go right down the list. We end up with Mr. Scott Hudson, who is more than an able replacement. In fact, I would say is preferable in many ways to the Boon Man. Oh, wow. There you go. Well, today, <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when you get too busy and you can't answer the phone. No. Yeah, we uh, don't have to worry about that with me. <laughs> Well, you're a very busy man, uh, and it's actually very appropriate that we have you on the show today because uh, the big celebrity Big Brother has kicked off, and of course, you are co-host of the Big Brother Gossip Podcast. Yeah, you must be back in your element. Yes, I am. Uh, you know, uh, in fact, we got a show tonight, so I'm I'm going through the live feeds, finding audio, getting prepped for tonight. And yeah, this is the first time they've done a celebrity edition, so it's pretty exciting. Yeah. So the first time, I I can't believe that it's taken them this long to figure out Celebrity Big Brother. Yeah, the UK has had one, you know, uh. for years and years. I don't know why. I mean, we've actually uh, me my co-host and i we've always said they should have an all comedian <laughs> that's Wouldn't a, that be great that's a great idea because nobody is more dysfunctional than a room of comedians exactly and there will be no worrying about you know saying the wrong thing because none of them care <laughs> they no hurt feelings because they're already all hurt exactly <laughs> i think that's a great idea so who's on this program well, okay. I mean, before I tell you who's on, okay. I mean, you know, we we as Big Brother fans knew that what they call celebrities is not going to be what the typical person on the street is going to call celebrity. Meryl Streep and Barbara Streisand are not walking into the Big Brother house, right? So you got to keep that in mind. Um, you've got the, the 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 lead singer from Sugar Ray, Mark McGrath. He's in. Um, Brandy Glanville from uh, the real one of the Real Housewives is in. Uh, there's a number of people on that Meta World piece of all people is in the house. Who? The basketball player that got oh, the. Oh yep 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 yep. Yeah, got it. Um, and and then of course probably the biggest news of of the show, Omarosa. Yes, I was do know in the that. White House. Now is in the Big Brother house. <laughs> that's a. I don't know if that's a fall from grace or an elevation. It, I'm not. I don't know which way that line yeah, is. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. <laughs> and she has been in the news, man. She's like... Yeah, it's... Well, I mean, CBS is... It, they know what they're doing. And here, here's the deal. This is sweeps month. Mm-hmm. And, and, but NBC has the Olympics. And so normally, when one network has something that's a, a, a ratings juggernaut, the other networks would just kind of concede. Yeah. But they, they can't concede in February because it's Swiss month. Swiss month determines what advertising, right. you know, what advertising pricing is going to be. Um, so that's where they came up with the Celebrity Big Brother thing. And Omarosa is in the news. They're going to make her be in the news. Yep. They, they're doing anything they can to boost the ratings. And I don't blame them a bit. No. But, you know, these... These microphones and cameras are on 24-7. So even though they have played, I think now, three clips of her talking about Trump's White House, Mm -hmm. 
it's not like she's sitting in there, oh, you know, on this day, Trump did this, we mm-hmm. did this. No, it's not like that at all. They've just taken the only times that she has brought it up and turned it into, you know, a press release. Right, right. And she said something nasty about Pence. That's the thing I saw. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, actually, the first thing she ever said was interesting because she was talking about working for Trump. And um, the the woman that was uh, Rudy on the Cosby show oh, kind of yeah. got in her face about it. And Rudy was the only one that stood up for Cosby. Right. So so Rosa goes, wait, it's no different than you. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it points out sometimes the absurdity, absurdity of politics and the hypocrisy of people. Yeah, and, and, and loyalty. Yeah. Who knew we had to go to Big Brother to get our, um, you know, social uh, science instruction? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, that's. I, I know a lot of people don't understand why I do this, but the reason I do is I'm always fascinated by the difference between what actually happens on the set of a show and what a reality show will tell us happens. Right. So the Big Brother uh, Gossip podcast is, will, will it drop tonight? You'll record it tonight, but does it drop right Yeah, away? we record it tonight. We, we do a live streaming at Mixler.com slash Big slash the blah, blah, Big Brother Gossip show. Um, but yeah, it'll be on iTunes and everything after that. And uh, are you still just killing it on iTunes? Well, we've only had one. I mean, this is a short season. That's the other thing about oh. it. Um, it's a, it's a, they're doing like 12 TV broadcasts in 19 days. Oh, my gosh. Um, it is the Olympics of Big Brother. Oh, it pretty much is. Um, so, yeah, we're only on our second one. Our first one did pretty well in the ratings, but, you know, we got to, by the time we get ourselves really rebranched or, you know, branched out again, mm-hmm. The show will be over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe this Amorosa stuff will help your downloads. Well, I'm hoping because uh, we have some things. I mean, even though I said the Trump stuff hasn't been as big of a deal as they've made it, she has said some other things that um, I think some people will want to know she said. Let's just throw it, that, throw it out that way. There you go. Hey, uh, plug the live stream for me one more time and then put it up on Twitter and I'll share it onto the P. Lally show so people know where to go watch. Listen okay. to that if they want to do it live. Uh, it's Mixer.com, and then it's uh, slash B-I-G, the number, uh, Big Brother Gossip Show after mm-hmm. Mixer.com, but there's um, hyphens in between each word. Got it. Mixler? M-I-X-L-E-R? No, M-I-X-L-R. M-I-X-L-R.com. You can listen to the Big Brother Gossip Show with Mr. Scott Hudson and your co-hosts. How many co-hosts? Two. Uh, my friend Mike and Colette Lala, who also does day drinking with Scott and Colette with me. You're just a, you're, you're a podcast master. <laughs> now, if I could only make some money. <laughs> well, when you figure that out, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Scott Hudson, thank you for uh, helping us out today. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's great talking to you. All right. Talk soon. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally show, we're going to chat with Corey Heidelberger of Dakota Free Press and find out what's going on out in Pier with your legislature. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 346 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we are joined on the phone from the state capitol in Pierre, South Dakota, Mr. Corey Heidelberger. Corey, how are you, man? I'm, I'm great, Patrick. Thanks for having me. How is uh, how's Pierre today? 
here is sunny, and I'm looking out the window. It appears to be thawing just a little bit, so it's warmer and nicer than yesterday. Pop in the earbuds with our free radio. Excuse me. <laughs> um, uh, my, my bad there. So um, you decided to spend a couple of uh, uh, a lovely, lovely winter days in Pierre. Why, why would a man do such a thing? Well, I, I tell you, first of all, specifically to me, um, in my blogging, I do like to come every now and then and go see what's going on. You know, the way that, well, real reporters do when they grow up, they actually go to the scene of what's happening. And, you know, Sioux Falls, they have their, the, the newspaper has their reporter here, Bob Mercer's here in Pierre. We have the AP reporter, South Dakota Public Broadcasting reporter. You know, so we have press here. I like to join them every now and then when it fits in my schedule and just see for myself what's going on. Um, besides that, I love coming to Pier. Every yeah. time I come in this Capitol building, it is, it, is, it is the, to me, it's the most important building other than my house in this state. It is a thrilling building to be in. It's an honor to be in it. And it's, and it's important to be in it. Really important things happen here. So it's just always exciting to come and watch the process happen. Even when the process is doing silly things, <laughs> it's an important process to witness. And there has been some silliness going on. I should mention that you blog at dakotafreepress.com. And uh, so, and from time to time, we once a week or so, we have you on to talk about stuff going on in the legislature. And man, it's been coming fast and furious. Um, you have been writing. You wrote yesterday about the some of these things have been defeated, but the whole open primaries uh, issue about trying to allow people who are registered independents to vote in primaries. I find this fascinating. Um, it made oh, it to the house much. floor, which I was even yes. surprised by, and it was a yes. pretty good vote. Um, why they only lost twenty nine thirty seven, which you would think the Republican Party would be trying to keep people out of their primary. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it's a fascinating discussion. What did you make of the fact that it was so close? Well, I tell you, I'm, I'm told, and this is one of the benefits of coming to the Capitol. You do hear a few things you might not hear just reading things on the Internet. I'm told the votes were there for that bill. This was Drew Dennert's bill to allow independents to pick which primary they want to vote in. The votes were there for it on the House floor until Monday morning when the party chair, Dan Lederman, sent out this, this scathing repast saying that the sponsor had not talked to the stakeholders, which is code for Drew didn't check with party leadership and see if it was okay. <laughs> um, and so apparently there were lots of calls going out to Republican legislators yesterday morning saying, don't you dare vote to allow independents to vote in our primary. And, and seeing that fits, I was expecting more resistance from Republicans because right now the parties can allow anybody, can allow independents to vote in their primary. Democrats and libertarians, I've learned, have let that happen. Mm-hmm. Republicans have consistently resisted it for the last few years that's been available. So I was wondering where the Republican opposition was. I was surprised this bill was even here. That Republican opposition finally reared its head yesterday. But even so, like you say, there were still a lot of good, you know, rock-ribbed Republicans who voted for the bill and even stood up on the floor and said, hey, I like Drew's idea. And the most compelling argument I heard was that, look, we need to get with the times. More people are registering independent. They still want to have their voices heard. And if we want to be marketable to them or accessible to them, we better let them vote in our primary. So there was still a lot of Republican sentiment bucking the uh, rather angry response of their own party leadership. You know, it's, it, what's interesting about it is that tax 
they're funded by taxpayers. The primaries, the, the, to have them is a taxpayer-funded activity done for the parties, which is an interesting little dichotomy, I think. But do you think that, that the Republicans think that, or some of them believe that a lot of those independents actually are pretty conservative people? So if you're a conservative and you're in the party, you may think this may add, may swing the vote not to the, to the moderates, where you might think a lot of independents are, but in fact, to the conservative side where people have left the Republican Party because they didn't think it was conservative enough. Sure. And that, what you're saying, that's a good point. That's exactly the point that David Lust from Rapid City, and he's a lawyer, he was a longtime legislator, and then he stepped out, and then he was uh, just reappointed to fill the vacancy left by uh, uh, Senator Keeson's uh, untimely death last fall. Um, Lust is back here, and he said exactly that. He said the reason independent registration is so high is because our own party, and this is Lust criticizing Republicans. This isn't me doing my spin. Mm -hmm. Lust said Republicans have gone to Washington and allowed deficits to spiral out of control. They violated one of our fundamental principles. And Lust said that's who the independents are. They're real Republicans, real conservatives who are disgusted with the Republican Party. So Lust himself was making that point on the record on the House floor yesterday that a lot of independents are really just conservatives who want an honest conservative party and aren't getting that from the GOP. And the other thing that's interesting about that is, is there, I'm trying to remember what's on the ballot this time around, but there's been, uh, there were ballot initiatives last time to change kind of the, the party system in the elections. And there is another effort underway to have a ballot initiative I can't remember if it's just to fully open there, primaries, or what was that again? Yeah, there, there were and there are yeah. um, measures to create an actual open primary system and a, and a, and a top-two finishing way to yeah. do it. And this was a key part of yesterday's debate, because the Republican Party, the, the flyer they were sending around, was claiming that, oh, voters turned down an open primary in 2016, so this bill violates the spirit of the voters. Okay, everyone mm-hmm. pause and laugh at Republicans complaining about violating the spirit of the voters in initiative. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I am 22. Look, yeah, Drew Dennert's bill was not the initiative that was before voters in 2016. 2016 was a completely open primary where anybody just walks in day of, everybody gets the same ballot, everybody votes, and the top two vote-getters go to the general. Mm-hmm. That was completely different from Drew Dennert's bill. Drew Dennert said, if you're an independent... On your voter registration card, you can mark which primary you want to vote in. You have to do that two weeks before the election at the latest. Or, and, and then, once you've marked that, when you walk in, there are till, still two separate primaries, mm-hmm. but you, independent who made a choice, you get one or the other and you vote in the one that you indicated. So Drew's position is totally different from the open primary bills that we've seen on the ballot. Am I wrong that the party, before we go to break here, could do this on their own without the legislature, right? Um, well, yes, if the party wanted independents to participate in their primary, they could say that tomorrow, and I think could still make that happen this year. That's what the law allows right now. That's interesting. Um, but as it is, the Republicans haven't. And independents, if they want to vote, they can come to the Democratic primary, if we have one. Um, we are going to take a short break here and come back and talk after the news and weather with Mr. Corey Heidelberg. Heidelberger. He is a blogger at Dakota Free Press and is, in fact, in peer as we speak. We'll be right back on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 
358 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we're going to be back talking with Corey Heidelberger here in just a minute. But first, I need to tell you about this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's the 38th Annual Artists of the Plains Art Show and Sale. That's from 5 to 9 on Friday, 10 to 6 on Saturday, 10 to 3 on Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Sioux Falls, free and open to the public, featuring artwork from more than 25 local and regional artists from five states, including Argus Leader, Argus Leader, Augustana University students. That's at the Hilton Garden Inn downtown. Coming up next, more Corey Heidelberger than Jack Marsh and Randall Beck about South Dakota News Watch. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Four oh five on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Darling, you got to let me know. Should I stay or should I? And the class, should I stay or should I go? Applies to peer. I I choose to stay. Corey Heidelberger, on the other hand, blogger for at DakotaFreePress.com. He chooses to go, and that's where he is right now, out in Pier. Corey, we've been talking about uh, all kinds of uh, uh, fun stuff the last couple of days here on the show. Um, one of the things that you've been covering is the the discussion over sales tax on food, which you know you always figure is just going to die, right? Because mm-hmm. we're never going to change. Um, there was another effort to do that, and some sort of ancillary bills that sort of go along with that whole sales tax issue. Sales tax issue. What what happened with sales tax on food this time? Well, I tell you, yesterday, uh, Reynold Nesiba from Sioux Falls there, the Central Central uh, District 15, he brought this year's version of the food tax repeal. Um, and there are a couple of others, but Senator Nesiba's was different. It, it addressed something that we wrote into the teacher pay increase two years ago. There was a little kind of sweetener to that deal where we said, okay, when we finally get the Amazon sales tax, you know, from online sales, mm-hmm. that Supreme Court case that's coming up, mm-hmm. There's a law right now, thanks to that deal, that says when that money starts coming in, for every $20 million we get, I think it's $20 million, we're going to cut our sales tax rate by a tenth of a percentage point. Hmm. So, I mean, the deal was, hey, if we get $100 million in online sales tax, we'll drop the state sales tax rate back to 4%, the way it was before the teacher pay increase. Heck of a deal, right? Yeah. Well, Reynolds Nesiba said, okay, Let's actually target that sales tax relief. Instead of doing it as just a blanket, you know, 0.1% drop in the sales tax, let's use every $20 million we get to cut the food tax by 1%. Yeah, that's because what right now you pay on food, uh, that, is it the first five? Yeah. Uh, right now, you pay you pay four point five percent state sales tax, and then your municipal tax, whatever that is, yep. probably two percent. We pay that on everything on food, just like we do yep. shoes, whatever else we're buying. And so, that's a very interesting. So, in the course of several years, we could drop that food tax till it's gone. Right. If we get ninety million dollars in new online sales tax revenue, poof, we would then effectively say there's no more tax when you buy your food. Just like is the case if you go buy your groceries over in Pipestone or Laverne or over across the border in Iowa, because there's no state around us that imposes sales tax on food. But uh, that went down. (laughs) That went down. (laughs) But did you think that there was some uh, interest in the argument, at least? Oh, 
there was. There was, and actually a couple of Republicans on the committee. Um, I, I apologize, I don't have my notes. I don't remember which one specifically. Right. But well, actually, I think uh, Ernie Otten from in, in T, in, mm-hmm. within your listening area mm-hmm. there, um, he said that, you know, this issue comes up every year, but that this one was the best one he'd heard yet. Well, there you he go. He voted against it, but they, they liked, you know, Senator and Professor Nessa's thinking. And that's what you get when you elect a, you know, a university economist. You get some good ideas that even Republicans might buy into. So, so Reynolds made a good impression, I think, on the committee with this, this idea, especially in pointing out that this is tax relief that's already in the chute. It basically would have been revenue neutral. We were no longer talking about, you know, lowering the food tax and then raising your tax on something else. He was just transferring revenue and that. It had some appeal, but not enough appeal to get the votes. That's a very interesting idea and one I hadn't heard before. Uh, I I like that idea a lot. Yeah. And and it's, it's important because it reminds us, you know, when we talk about maybe winning that Supreme Court case and being able to collect online sales tax, Mm -hmm. we're not really talking about an upfront increase in revenue because we already have something in statute that says every 20 million that we get in online sales tax, boom, we're going to lower our in-state sales tax on, you know, all the stuff we're buying. So it's not really a revenue generator. Reynolds just said, hey, since since it's still going to be a wash, let's put that wash toward relief on food, a basic necessity that would help the poor immensely. Well, let's hope that uh, that comes back. If not this year, next year, at least it would be part of the discussion going forward. That would be awesome. Yeah, well, and that was part of the opposition to it this time, or at least what I heard voiced by some was, well, we shouldn't count our chickens before they're hatched yet. We don't know if we're going to win the Supreme Court case. Okay, fine. Supreme Court's taking it up this year. Mm -hmm. Next year, that'll be a done deal. And if we win the case, then we can say, all right, money's coming in. What do you say now? Yeah, we'll see. Uh, It'll be a great discussion. Uh, Corey Heidelberg, why do I keep I keep stopping halfway through your name? Corey Heidelberger, he is a blogger at Dakota Free Press, and we have him on about once a week, and hopefully we'll get you back on next week, Monday or Tuesday. Does that sound good, Corey? That sounds great. Be glad to help out. Thanks for the help today, and we will talk to you soon. Very good. Have a good day. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, where we got Randall Beck and Jack Marsh. That's true. Two of my former bosses coming into the studio to talk about South Dakota News Watch. Looking forward to it. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 416 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And I am very pleased. I think I'm pleased. We'll see how this goes. To have in the studio with me today two of my former bosses. There's a lot of journalism experience hanging out in this room. I don't know what that means exactly. A lot of untold stories. A lot of untold stories. Uh, Jack Marsh and Randall Beck. And they are here because they have launched uh, South Dakota Newswatch, which is something we're going to find out about today. But it's you guys can't go away quietly. You both retired. Now you're back in the news. What's up with that? Tell us about South Dakota Newswatch. Yeah, thanks, Patrick. It's great to be here. And uh, I'll start off, Jack, and then you You jump in and interrupt me, as you're inclined to do anyway. If I get off track, you correct me. uh, I I will. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, really, Patrick, uh, uh, it started, oh, about two and a half uh, years ago when Jack and I, while on the sidelines, sort of still retaining a a love for uh, this business that you you know well uh, really observed what you certainly saw and that is uh, across the state across the nation uh, 
sort of a declining uh, level of the kind of journalism that used to be our stock and trade, what we used to call middle-level enterprise, that sort of uh, uh, journalism speak for uh, in-depth work uh, that, uh, that really sort of uh, connects the dots uh, here in South Dakota. And we believe uh, the kind of journalism that people need to make informed decisions about their state, whether it's agriculture, environment, uh, po politics or, or public education, and we just saw a declining level of that, uh, not just in Sioux Falls, but but across the state. And you know, we really just the two of us over coffee uh, said to ourselves, you know, wh what could happen as a result of that? Is there a need for someone with no real axe to grind, uh, and certainly not looking for another career? Is there an opportunity for us to maybe? Uh, step into that, and so that really precipitated a series of conversations uh, and meetings with media executives here in this state, as you know, because you were at the Argus at the time. Yep. Uh, that really to sort of bring together uh, media uh, leaders in the state and ask this question: Is there something we we ought to do? And out of that became this: uh, There's a resolve to create what we announced today, and that's a an independent uh, nonprofit organization devoted to telling uh, the stories that aren't being told anywhere else uh, in South Dakota. So uh, just as a matter of background, Randall, you were at the Argus Leader. You yep. came what year? Yeah, I came in 2001 and, less in, and left in uh, 2015. Came as executive editor, came became as executive publisher. Editor, became publisher, retired as editor, or publisher, yep. And Jack, you were edited. Jack Marsh, sitting here, hired me at the Argus Leader in 1998. But you had been there for a while. Uh, I came to the Argus Leader. I was I, with a Gannett company. I was actually in New Jersey and New York prior to here. I was transferred out to Sioux Falls in uh, the end of 1992 and became executive editor of the Argus. Uh, served in that role till uh, the latter part of uh, uh, 1998 when I went to work for the Freedom Forum mm -hmm. and uh, Al Newharth, a uh, native South Dakotan, and his foundation called the Freedom Forum. Uh, so, uh, you know, I like to say that Randall and I, we're South Dakotans by choice. <laughs> we're, we're both from other places. We came here, and we have a real appreciation for the state, a love for the state. And I think we're both here for the duration. South Dakota is not getting rid of Randall Beck. I don't, I or, don't know about or Jack you, Marsh. You know, I think, and I think we're sticking around. Or, in some measure, Arnold Garson, former exactly, publisher. there you go. Or Larry Fuller, or Larry former Fuller, publisher. who left or, and came or, back. Or yeah. Mary Devish. Or Mary Divish, is she right. back? He's she's back. back. Former she's publisher. Here, right. Mary Carol Keeter. For, we'll talk about Mary Carol here in a minute. Former yeah, editor. Right, for Me, sure. This, you can't swing a stick in this town without hitting a former Gannett executive. <laughs> well, there's something sticky about this well, place, it, right? Yeah. It gets its hooks into you, and it doesn't let go. Well, here, here's, here, here's, the, here, here's the truth of the matter. Uh, Randall and I have both been transferred around the country quite a bit. We've, and uh, when you're a journalist, you're a professional observer. And when you, when you come to, to a place like Sioux Falls, you come to a state like South Dakota, you say, wow, this is something special. It, it's unlike anything that I'd ever experienced before. And uh, I didn't, when we arrived here, I didn't know if I was going to be here a year. I didn't know if I was going to be here the rest of my life. So we decided, well, let's put our roots down. And I think the Becks took the same approach when they came to, to Sioux Falls. And... Uh, so you say, you know, what's the origin of this news organization called South Dakota News Watch? Well, uh, we're con I think Randall and I are deeply concerned about what's going on in the country. Uh, uh, we're 
divided nation in so many ways. Uh, we can't we we can't solve that. Mm. But but we think that we are a nimble enough state, uh, a state of eight hundred thousand people. We think we can make a heck of a difference mm. right here in South Dakota, yeah. to with through through great journalism. Uh, contributing to a better informed, more engaged citizenry. And as a result, we think we can make this a better place for ourselves, our children, and our grandchildren. And Patrick, you've seen that. We we just believe, uh, and I know you do too, believe in the power of journalism to bring people together. Not necessarily in agreement. No. <laughs> which is okay, but in debate over important public issues. And name your issue. And nothing is better for our democracy, healthier uh, than that engage citizens uh, talking about complicated issues. And we believe that journalism has the power to draw that to the table and, and bring people together, not, not necessarily as a unified, we all think the same, we all talk the same, that's not at all the goal, but rather, let's solve this challenge together. And we think it does have that power. We're talking with Randall Beck and Jack Marsh, who today, along with some other folks we'll talk about, launched... As a formal announcement today, the South Dakota News Watch, which is a, uh, a news journalism operation uh, online, um, so it's you have a website, and I, you know, you've got uh, looking at it right now. You got a Custer Fire story up there right now, and uh, some other stories about uh, 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 rail lines and and uh, uh, rail transportation in South Dakota. Um, what what happens? So you post a story here, and mm -hmm. yep. That's a good question. I would say, Jack, you dive in here, but uh, we really see our primary goal as uh, as partnering with the existing existing media organizations in the state. They're, they're the ones, whether it's Argus Leader or the Freeman Courier or or, uh, or uh, the Rapid City Journal uh, or or Kelloland uh, Television, that have the relationships with the viewers, with the citizens, with the readers in this state. So. We want to partner with them, and so we are working directly with them uh, to deliver the news uh, content to them so that they use it in their products, digital, print, uh, broadcast, and otherwise. Yes, we have our website, sdnewswatch.org, and welcome the public to that, and we'll be able to see all of our content there. But we believe, ultimately, what will make this effort successful is the relationships with those media organizations that are the trustworthy, uh, you know, uh, providers of journalism in those communities. We believe that's our primary outlet. Jack, mm -hmm. absolutely, and, and I think we have a very good relationship with the community newspapers throughout the state, with broadcasters throughout the state. In fact, uh, much of our early financial support has come from the South Dakota broadcasters and has come from, uh, uh, you know, newspaper uh, publishers uh, and executives around the state, not exclusively, but certainly a good part of it. So, so we, we produce this content and we publish it directly to the people through a website and through social media, but uh, this is also available for other uh, media to publish themselves to, and to repurpose and repackage it. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe doing localization of, a, of an issue that we're tackling on a statewide basis, they might want to localize it, mm -hmm. whether it be on television, uh, in radio, in print, or online. I, uh, I know that you have enlisted Mary Carol Keeter, form, another former Argus Leader editor, um, and I noticed too that the, you have a couple stories up here. 
one, as I mentioned, on Custer Fire and one on the uh, dangerous rails. Aging lines, old tankers posed ongoing threat, Mm -hmm. which sounds like a pretty straightforward piece of investigative journalism, public service journalism. Uh, And that is written by, and I'm going to mess up his name, but Bart Fancook. Bart Fancook. And now he is a former editor at the Rapid City Journal. Our our news staff at South Dakota News Watch is, I mean, the caliber of these these journalists is just, it's, uh, it's so impressive. So we have the former editor of the Argus Leader, the former editor of the Rapid City Journal have come together, mm-hmm. and they are our two-person news staff. Randall and I, we're, we are as volunteers. We're, mm-hmm. We happen to be co-chairs of the board, but we, are, we aren't in this for another job. Well, we, are, we wanted to, you know, we believe in this cause, we're behind this cause, but, but we are not doing the journalism. Mary Carroll joined us a year ago. Uh, as executive director. To help us stand up the organization. Yeah, exactly. Kind of ge- geared up and do a lot of the, uh, the groundwork and did a terrific job. And as we evolved into this, our pilot year, it became clear to her and clear to us that she wanted to stay involved. And so it sort of morphed into uh, mm-hmm. a, a part-time editor uh, oh. role. Yeah. So my question is, are, are you guys like line editing? Does it go back and forth? <laughs> Just around around the tables, like no. Oh, well, I think as, we as sh- you might might imagine, Randall and I still are editors at heart. Yeah, but, yeah. But uh, we don't want to meddle too much. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we, we, don't we have we have, we, we, have uh, we have great confidence in Bart Fancook and in Mary Carol Keeter. Yeah. Their professionalism. I mean, these are two t- top notch journalists with great experience, and uh, you know, Mary Carol knows this state uh, as well as any journalist uh, in South Dakota. Bart Fancook is a little newer to the state, but he's a man of great experience, has worked uh, for some, some, some of the great newspapers around the country. Uh, so we are just, we are delighted that we could launch South Dakota Newswatch with <laughs> this caliber of a staff. As you might guess, we've had a good time, though, as former editors uh, talking about stories. Yeah. Right? And you, did you, have you done this yet? You look across and you Sort of look, you're looking down, you're reading, you got, and uh, this is a classic Randall movie. He looks up, you go, What's the story about? <laughs> I know that's I mean, happened. Yeah. And we're going to come right back after this short break for the news and weather and find out if that has happened. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 434 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Just because the old bosses are here doesn't mean I quit playing the Clash. There you go, people. <laughs> Train in vain. Um, we are continuing our conversation with Jack Marsh and Randall Beck, who are the co-chairs of the board. Is that fair to say? Is that the proper title of South Dakota News Watch? Yeah, that launched today. And uh, we are uh, talking about uh, journalism and in the in the modern era and this effort by these two guys and a bunch of other people to bring uh, public service journalism back to South Dakota. Uh, so you launched today. You've got media partners. Um, in the modern era, we know that the hardest thing about journalism is paying for journalism. Yeah. How are you paying for your journalism? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, we are entirely, we are a nonprofit. And we are a nonprofit and every, all of our income is donated income. Uh, we were, we have been, Randall and I have been, been so uh, 
impressed by the response we've gotten from key individuals around the state who believe in this, by uh, 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 some foundations, including the Sioux Falls Area Community Foundation, the South Dakota Community Foundation, the Watertown uh, Area uh, Community Foundation. Uh, and so every dollar that we have to, uh, that supports our operation is donated income. We don't take any advertising. Uh, we, d we don't sell anything. This is South Dakota News Watch belongs to the people of South Dakota. We're a 501c3, so we're we're officially recognized as a nonprofit organization by the Internal Revenue Service, Service. And this is about pure journalism without a political agenda, uh, without, an, as Randall said, without an axe to grind. Uh, this is, it, for a couple of old uh, journalists like us, Randall and I have 82 years combined in this business. This is a high watermark for us to be able to to launch an organization like this that's just in service to the people of the state of South Dakota. A, a bit more elaboration on the on the, the, the financial side because it's important people understand that uh, this is not just uh, an entity that will be supported by people with deep pockets. While we welcome those folks and all of their names, every donor uh, is, is listed on our website. Um, we will ultimately move to a system, Patrick, where, uh, you know, it, it, every reader feeling the need for quality journalism will be welcome to donate at whatever level they, they feel inclined. So we don't have that full-throated sort of donor development system in place, but will. So that a family, with, you know, where wants to, wants to put $100 in, that's great. A family puts $1,000 in, that's great. We expect that people across the state, no matter what their means, will feel this is something they can get behind and support uh, financially. We think that's a big part of our future. But I, I also want to lift up the, the foundations and donations uh, aspect, or excuse me, the foundations aspect. Many of these uh, being created around the country, and Patrick, you know that this is uh, really the new face of journalism as the nonprofit uh, world. 150 or so of these around the country. That's a lot. I didn't know that's it was that lot. high. Uh, ProPublica being one of the ones yeah. that you know everybody's heard of. MinPost is another Min one. Post, that people. Texas Tribune. Uh, we believe that a big part of our future is the foundations, both regionally and around the country, that have really made it their business to seed uh, the operation of these these nonprofit organizations. So. Do you have a. Uh, we're talking with Randall Beck and Jack Marsh from South Dakota News Watch, launched formally today. You have an editorial independence policy. We on do. your website, yep, and people sure. can go see that at sdnewswatch.org, and I'll share that on my Twitter feed. Yeah. The what? How do you guarantee editorial independence when you? I mean, I look at your list of donors. There's people there that have their axe to grind, not in a bad way. I mean, they have perspectives and 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 uh, policies that they may want. This has always been an issue for media in general. How do you yep. maintain independence from your advertisers and all yep. of that? You guys are uh, pulling this up by the bootstraps. Mm -hmm. How do you maintain editorial independence when you are dependent upon all these different people to pay the bills? Mm -hmm. uh, that's the deal. We say, we, if, if you believe in truth, if you believe in the power of good journalism, if you believe in this democracy, we invite you to participate, but... Uh, if you make a donation, even a sizable donation, 
uh, you will have no say in the stories that are pursued and how they are pursued. That's the deal. Mm -hmm. And Jack and I are not, I mean, nobody on the board is selecting the stories. As you may know, uh, Mary Carroll is now working with a, a, an advisory, a content advisory group of editors from across the state. I think there's, what, six or seven on it now, and it will grow a, a bit over time. And uh, that's really her, uh, that's her working group of folks who advise on story selection, editorial uh, 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 judgment, that kind of thing. Uh, the, the governance board, the board of directors, nine-member board of directors, has no uh, in engagement uh, with the story selection. And we think that's a key, and, and we're really proud of that. We think that that, in a very public way, is one sign, Jack mentioned others, uh, that money can't buy influence, money can't buy spin. That's certainly the case with South Dakota News Watch. And, and, and we're not out soliciting protection money. <laughs> and that's important for people yeah. to realize. Yeah, and, yeah. for sure. Uh, and s if you go to our website, and I urge your listeners to do so, go to sdnewswatch.org. In addition to seeing the content that we're now producing, you can look at our various policies. Mm -hmm. You can see the list of donors at $500 and above. You can, you can read the editorial independence policy. We are an organization uh, that believes in transparency, that follows a uh, strict policy on transparency. You'll be able to read our tax return as soon as we file it. Uh, it's due uh, May 15th. We'll put that up on the website. That's the only way we can we can operate and expect people to trust us. Yeah, that's what this is about. It's mm -hmm. about trust. And that's really the best way to do it, I believe. When I think back to my days at the Argus, Patrick, you certainly know this. Jack, you knew it from your career. Is that um, if there was a story published or a project published that was unpopular in certain quarters, uh, some folks inevitably look to some of our largest advertisers mm -hmm. <laughs> for that influence. I can remember the calls that I would get saying, well, that advertiser or this advertiser, we know that they're really buying that or steering you uh, toward that. And, you know, you could deny it all day long, but you couldn't really be transparent as a for-profit business in the way that those readers mm -hmm. expected you and wanted you to. Here, we're, we're an open, we're open, open book. Our, you, our books are open. Uh, our donors are open, and we think, just like government transparency, that uh, secrecy builds suspicion, and we're the anti-secrecy organization. And transparency builds trust. Yeah. yeah. We're going to come right back and talk more with Randall Beck and Jack Marsh, who today launched formally South Dakota Newswatch that you can go see right now at sdnewswatch.org. We'll be right back on The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 457 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with Randall Beck and Jack Marsh, both former Argus Leader media executives and veteran journalists who today formally launched South Dakota Newswatch, that's sdnewswatch.org, where you can go and see their latest venture into public service journalism. Are you guys going to do politics? <laughs> I would say, oh, Jack, I'll give him a quick, and then you jump in. I would say, how can we not? Uh, now, it may not be the politics or po political coverage, you know, w that we're seeing at uh, community newspapers or on 
Kello, but I think we're interested in identifying an opportunity for us in this political year, right, big political year, to, to, to find a place into that. We haven't identified it, but I, I think if we don't somehow acknowledge it, in whether it's issues or candidates, I think we're out of sort of step with what's happening in South Dakota. So what, so what does that look like on the ground? I mean, you're not going to do daily blow-by-blow no. blow campaign journalism. No, no, no. We're no. Is it campaign finance? Is it, it uh, could be uh, uh, sort of uh, media landscape stuff? I mean, we, we, uh, even though news is in our name, we are not a breaking news organization. We are not providing day-to-day coverage. Uh, we we do what we could call in the business enterprise reporting, or you might think of it as public service journalism, investigative journalism. So there, there, there no doubt will be stories that we want to pursue that are in the political arena. I think we just mm-hmm. don't know. I think a good sort of early indicator of, of how we might finesse that, Patrick, is uh, the legislature. It's the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We certainly are not going to be there. I mean, Bert's not going to travel no. to peer regularly, cover committee hearings. Please, uh, God, no. Right, <laughs> exactly. We've got enough of we that. No more of that. <laughs> but I, I think he's Others are covering that. Yeah, very, very intentionally uh, tracking key issues, things to sort of um, uh, bounce stories off of and, and, and do the broader picture. We're very conscious of that and have talked a lot about that. So I think in that way, that's the way we'll touch down on politics. And I think it's too early to say what those stories will look like. But I think we'll clearly be in sync with what South Dakotans at the right time are talking about. Um, you know, you guys have, we've all been involved in the big investigative public service projects over our careers. Uh Here's my fear. People don't read. They uh, seem, and we've talked about this forever, civic engagement is down. Uh, people's interest is down. Their cynicism is high. You can sometimes do the best work in the world. And as, uh, there were times at the Argus Leader where I thought we did fantastic work. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like it just went into the ether because nobody read it. How do you... You want you still want to change the world. How do you engage these people to read what you're doing and understand what you're doing and and grasp it and act on it when that has never seemed to work before? I mean, think about the the major investigations we did over the years, the Janklo pardons, which we ended up at the Supreme Court. He wouldn't have had to leave office over that, even though it was the biggest abuse of power I'd ever seen. Right. He only had to leave office because he was convicted of manslaughter. Um, I think about uh, the progress of a people, six special sections over Huge. the course of a year that nobody read, right. <laughs> that nobody read because I didn't hear, ever hear anything about it. It was <laughs> tremendous work. It was great work. I think about Mike Huther, still mayor of Sioux Falls, when in the first year of his term, Jonathan Ellis exposed that he was investigating, investing in projects that came before the city council. I think he's still doing it because mm. he didn't think it was wrong. My point being, sometimes you do the best work in the world and nothing happens. Mm. How do you think that you're going to be able to move the needle at all in terms of democracy and the big issues that are before us when, when it hasn't worked? Well, I, we make me take away my cynicism for just a moment. <laughs> well, I, I, Randall and I, I don't think are cynics. Uh, we're skeptics. I don't think we're cynics. Uh, we think there is... Uh, a market there for uh, and a hunger for uh, for long form journalism and 
and good storytelling for journalism that can make a difference. Uh, we're not in the ratings game. We're not. Mm-hmm. The, we're not. We're not out there trying to get clicks. Uh, it, it, maybe it's. We don't know how big the audience is going to be. Uh, but what we, what we do know is that in this state right now, there is a lack of sophisticated journalism on issues of statewide importance. The, 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 you know, community newspapers, radio stations, TV stations are still doing a good job in covering, their, uh, covering local news. But who is looking at the big picture of what is going on statewide? We're down to, we're down to in this state, there's one reporter full-time in Pierre. Mm-hmm. One. When I came to the state in the end of 1992, you know, the Associated Press... Uh, Two. Three, sometimes. Well, the Associated Press had a staff in South Dakota, I think close to 12. Mm-hmm. They're down to one. Uh, the, you know, the Argus Leader had a full-time bureau of the, uh, in Pierre. The mm-hmm. Rapid City Journal had a full-time bureau in Pierre. The AP had full-time people. During the legislative session, everyone descended mm-hmm. on, on Well, th- I mean, it was a different day, Jack. It was. I, I mean, I, th- I think... I but think the resources are, yeah. are, are not focused today on stories of statewide significance. And that is where... That's... Patrick, I, that's, that's I, I, where we can plug in. I think it's a great question. I think, in many ways, it's the question uh, that we wrestle with, and I think it's important that we not be—I know we're running out of time—that we not be Pollyannish in how we answer this question. Jack's right; we got to do the right thing and produce good journalism. But I, I think we can't just do that. We've talked about using our stories as launch pads for town hall meetings, for using our media partners to step into their local readers and audiences and do stuff that does get us closer to that holy grail of civic engagement. I guess I'm hopeful there mm-hmm. uh, that we can do that. We have to lean into that. So we can't just dump a bunch of truth on people and, yeah. and, 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 and you know say, well, a job well done. we got to take another step. Uh, gentlemen, as I said, we could talk about this all day, and you know maybe we will, but it'll be off air. Um, I really appreciate you coming by. I know it's been a busy day for you. It's exciting. We'll all be watching, and uh, I will take you up on the offer, Jack, to talk about the stories. So terrific, because uh, so I need all the help for I your can listeners. Get. Uh, just check us out sdnewswatch.org. Uh, you can see the coverage we're now providing, the content we're providing, as well as find out more about what makes us click. Patrick, thanks for letting us have it be on. Thank you. We're going to finish up here in just a moment. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> 458 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Coming up on Saturday, a concert for veterans featuring John Michael Montgomery, 3 p.m. at the Washington Pavilion. It's a complimentary concert for veterans and their families in honor of their service to this country. Tickets are free and available through the VA hospital only. You get those tickets by calling 605-333-6851 or 333-6806. That's 6851 or 6806. Coming up tomorrow on the program, mayoral candidate Paul Tenaken will be with us. It'll be fun. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.